becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger, stranger out of the is a dream that you to make real. Passing over the songs, glimmer, glimmer of the ship you see. Hey, to the shores. To the shores. Mm. <sighs> yummy, yummy. How's it going? Oh, good. Uh, crazy, I guess. Yeah? Yeah. Just so many things are happening right now. It's uh, it's insane. Just business is starting to pick up, which is never thought that would happen. And That's I amazing. I don't want to blink or don't want to believe it really so you get your <laughs> Don't move up. too quick. I know, exactly. Uh. <laughs> You'll spook yeah. it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we got, we got some ways to go, but like all the pieces are getting in place, which is really cool. Yeah. It really feels like there's something has lifted. Like real life seems like it's peeking its head out. <laughs> it is. It's like a turtle. <laughs> We're not quite sure how we feel about it, but <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm feeling good about it. I am too. Yeah. It's starting to see more people without masks and mm-hmm. being a little bit more normal. And I don't know. I'm ready for the full, full on naked faces everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be great. Mm-hmm. Well, you were, you want to kick us off with some of the things you were thinking about? Yeah, maybe I'll ramble a little bit and okay. we'll kind of see where we, we go from there. Um, this is not complete thoughts. There's some things that I've been kind of thinking about. Um, well, shoot, where do I start? Um, well, I'll just start here. I, I'm not sure if this is the greatest place to start, but just sort of the idea is like there's things that um, are kind of are more immediate that we need to deal with or work through. And like sometimes we sort of uh, make ourselves busy by other um, problems or issues and uh, kind of get sidetracked and uh one thing that was kind of i saw that was like in business is sometimes i have to work on other projects sometimes in order to get back to the project that mm. i need to be working on um but then there's also this part of like you know pain and adversity and trials that um it's like it's like we kind of i have this thought that it's, it seems like we need to have a stance towards acceptance of of adversity like something that is welcomed instead of um instead of run away instead of running away from them you know it's 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 sort of like a part of life that's so valuable and it's like where we learn the most um it's kind of like whether you're talking about like a pruning of some sort it's like none of that is, is, is necessarily pleasant, but it depends on how you orient yourself, um, to the pruning or the adversities or the hardships that you're going to kind of get the rewards from the, the process of the pain. You know, it's like a lost, a lost loved one or, you know, a breakup or, um, you know, your business is going down the shitter, (laughs) you know, uh, you know, uh, you're missing in a relationship or something like that. Or, um, I mean, there's just so many areas that, that I think we all face in, 
and it, there's like, it's, it's almost more of like, those are opportunities rather than they're, um, something that is, um, negative or that we should turn away from and hide from, you know, it's like, there's a certain acceptance and there's just, there's something about that that kind of stuck out to me as far as this idea of a continual yes. Like there's this part that's like a, or like a Christianity, there's this idea of like the, the eternal amen. It's sort of like, it's like, um, <laughs> type of thing. It's like, it's, it's this sort of inviting, you know, and accepting. And, uh, something I learned from Allison, uh, through birth was that, uh, the more that you start, the more that you fight the pain, the hard, the worse it hurts. So it's like, as contractions are coming on, and they're truly painful that only women <laughs> understand. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I've learned through her uh, is that there's this part that you kind of have to relax your body and allow those contractions to happen. And you kind of, um, I remember one thing that we learned uh, early on in birthing and stuff like that was kind of let your body do the work. So there's this part that you kind of get out of the way of the process and allow the process to, to, uh, to work itself out, you know, but mm-hmm. you're, but you are participating in that you're, you're relaxing, you're focusing and you're, you know, allowing the, allowing your body to do the work it does. It's sort of like, maybe if you cut yourself, you know, it's like, you're not going to make yourself heal faster. Yeah. If you yeah, said, yeah. <laughs> It's like, I think there's a lot of things that even in sickness and stuff like that, like you, you know, I think depression and, uh, yeah, depression can actually make you sick. You know, there's, or, uh, like it, oh shoot, I'm not going to do this very well at all. I feel like there was, there were some things I'd studied earlier a few years back or something like that, like how just the your mindset and the way you think about things can actually lower your immune system. And obviously I don't have any yes, <laughs> facts yeah, or figures of that. It's like, I kind of know that that is true, but I don't know the. <clears throat> well, the thing that comes to my mind is I don't remember. There was a doctor that I think was being interviewed on Joe Rogan and he was talking about the mind's control over the body mm-hmm. and how, I guess they've done studies where they, they have people who are going to go in for surgery, mm-hmm. um, meditate on not bleeding. Mm-hmm. And when people do that, they will bleed significantly less mm. than people who don't do that. Like you can tell yourself to not bleed when you're cut open. Yeah. Just crazy. Um, <clears throat> but you hit on maybe that was a, bu- a lot in there. Yeah. Just kind of threw out a bunch of yeah. stuff. Um, I think a few points that stood out to me. One is the idea that <clears throat> when you're, solving a difficult problem, it's often beneficial to take a break from it and work on solving other problems. Mm -hmm. And that generally will help you solve the problem faster than Mm -hmm. if you just stayed and concentrated on it. Mm -hmm. Um, For instance, if you're, you know, even just at your job, if you get up and take a walk, you'll often solve problems while you're walking because I don't know what it is. Your brain has more space to move things around. Or maybe when you're not concentrating on on it so hard, the patterns tend to emerge a bit more easily. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, you think of all the a lot of those discoveries that have been made over the years. It's like our showers and bathtubs and walks and <laughs> you know, it's like there's you know, like that's how we found out how to was it the measure gold or how much gold is in something is when the guy was taking a bath and the displacement of water and stuff and Oh. <coughs> he figured out how to measure gold in water or mm-hmm. something else? Yeah, it was uh, obviously I'm not gonna get this hundred percent correct, but uh I forgot what his name was now. Yeah, like how much, how much the, uh, no, I'm not going to screw that one up. Uh, but it is, it's sort of like we have these epiphanies when we kind of stop focusing on the problem in general, you know, but I think there's also a difference between not focusing on it and also running away from it. Like you, you showed me that that guy was a little bit cheesy in his, uh, explanation of the soul and mm, yeah. fracturing and stuff like that. But it was an Instagram video that mm-hmm. we watched. Yeah. And, uh, but there's one thing that was kind of stood out to me and that was like, like how you, you know, when you kind of detach yourself that you kind of fracture, you know, from, if you try to detach yourself from the, like the, the foundations of, of who you are, um, whether you want to call that your soul or yourself or your inner being or um, what is a, what does young call that? The true self, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you can in any start to believe or, or live out lies. It's like you kind of start to fracture yourself and, and that you can see that whenever you tell a lie, it's like, then you have to tell another lie to cover for that lie. And it's like, then you have this like string of lies that, you know, how do you, how can you come back from, to from that, you know, it's like there has to be a breaking of some point that, you know, uh, like in Christianity, it's, you know, forgiveness, you know, it's like, uh, man, I've gone so far. All I can do is just say, will you forgive me? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I can't recount all the steps that I have, you know, wronged you or whatever it might be. It's, mm. it's, it's like kind of like a, let's start over. Mm. <laughs> and there's sort of like this, like, like, bringing back together the self yeah, that, that happens when like two people have a moment of reconciliation or forgiveness. It's, it's not that all those things were repaired. It's more of like, it's sort of almost like a, a do over an acknowledgement of the failures, you know, and then sort of the, the agreement that, okay, let's start over, let's start afresh to return to the truth. Mm-hmm. Was there a line between that, that idea of fracturing and forgiveness and the idea of moving your, taking your attention off of a problem you're trying to solve in order to help solve it? Well, it just seems like there's, there's a lot of layers here because like, you know, it's not just about solving the problem. Like there, there's a lot of, it seems like there's a lot of aspects to this. That's like, it's emotional, it's logical, it's mental heart, you know, however you want to say it, it's, it's like, you can't separate, you can't separate them. I think sometimes you need to be led by one or the other, you know, as far as like, like you like feeling something deeply and not understanding it, you know, or like, 
saying, nope, this is the way I'm going and setting your, <laughs> setting your, your face and to, to the North and going North, you know, it's like, you, you might not understand all the things that you're feeling, but you're going to focus, you know, on something, you know, and other times you have to kind of allow yourself to, but, uh, but as far as like fracturing and telling yourselves a lie, what was the first part of that question? Um, if there was a tie between that and what we were talking about with, um, like taking your attention off of something and doing something different Mm -hmm. in order to help move that original thing forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know if I, I think I'm about to like try to fit too much into this analogy, but, um, You know, if you if you continue to focus on a problem and and don't get time away from it, it sort of like consumes you, and it's like everything is seen through that lens. You know, it's uh, you know we were talking about earlier, like uh, the whole world is out to get me. You know, if you believe that, it's like that's the, that's the frame of what you're trying to work through all the everything around you. And so there's a certain fracturing that happens because it's, that's actually not true. The whole world is not out to get you or, um, so it's like, if you're trying to solve a problem through that framework, uh, then everything starts to fracture and, and break down because it's, that's just, that's just like a one aspect (laughs) of something that seems to relate to what we were talking about. I think two episodes ago in that you have to be careful about, the stories you tell yourself about the past mm-hmm. and about who you are, um, be careful that they're not based in falsity mm-hmm. because the frame you adopt is going to define how you see the world. Mm-hmm. Like the world is going to align itself. So if you say everyone, everyone's out to get me, that's going to start manifesting itself into your reality as true. Um, like another example that I think of is that often, um, people who have been uh, betrayed in a relationship tend to become after that hypervigilant. It, it, it is, um, it's such a betrayal is, is it, it cuts you so deeply to the core it overwhelms your perception of everything. Mm -hmm. And so you start seeing, you start looking for it everywhere. Everything starts to align to align to that point of view, that, that suspicion maybe. How do we get so myopic? Like it's like how it's like, we only have so much energy to focus on, you know, something, you know, it's like, and how does it, that, how do we not become so myopic, you know? Well, maybe that's the sort of tie to this idea that you need to take a break from something. Mm-hmm. Try to intentionally put your your attention somewhere else. Yeah. Take it. Yeah. Just kind of push it and there you go. <laughs> Luca. He's chewing on his foot. That was so good. Chewing on his foot. <laughs> <clears throat> Well, it's like, maybe it's a thing is there's that part where 
you know, if you're too much order, you need a little bit of chaos. And if you're in chaos, you need a little bit of order. It's, right. and, and I think that's, there's a certain amount of wisdom that happens in that, in that, um, um, in how we walk through life as far as like understanding and knowing when the difference is, it's like, you know, if, if, if you're so focused on trying to fix something, it's might be cause you're, you're so engaged in ordering everything and maybe you just need to do something different to kind of shake things up and get you a new perspective, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, or if like, you know, you're just running around with your head cut off. <laughs> it's like, well, maybe, maybe focus in on something and like, you know, bring some order into your life, make mm. your bed or whatever. <laughs> well, it seems to be <clears throat> themed around the idea of change because I, f- I feel like often, um, structure can, have a, a lot of positive change in your life, mm-hmm. you know, by, by laying out your day and saying, this is what time I get up. And these are the things that I do broadly speaking throughout the day. I mm-hmm. exercise at this time. I practice my guitar at this time. I work during these hours and, um, you know, that can be really good, mm-hmm. you know, there, cause there's some attention shifting built into that, which is helpful. Um, but if you do that long enough, that can also become, it can, it can trans transverse into, well, too much structure, mm-hmm. too much order. It's not allowing enough creative new in- information in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like this constant need for change, mm-hmm. which maybe ties into this. one of the second things you said at the beginning, which was that adversity should be welcomed. And it does seem like adversity is stigmatized mm-hmm. in our culture as a negative you know, this person's experienced a lot of adversity, mm-hmm. you know, the idea being that they shouldn't have, and that there's an injustice in that. Yeah. And sometimes there is, but also without adversity, you don't, I don't, I don't think that you grow. Mm-hmm. You were also talking earlier about the idea of pain being information. Mm-hmm. And if you think about discomfort as a, a more sort of generalized term for pain, when you're experiencing discomfort, you're experiencing something new, mm-hmm. you know, in a position of comfort, everything is known, mm-hmm. everything is accounted for. Nothing is, nothing unknown is grabbing your attention. Yeah. But that means that there's nothing unknown coming into your reality. Mm-hmm. And without new information, new content of some kind, <clears throat> you're not going to grow. Yeah. You need new to grow. You need, and that, that information always comes in the form of discomfort, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, I think learning new things is, is uncomfortable because it's... Cause it's either producing pain or it is changing the way that you perceive your known reality, mm-hmm. which means killing some of that. Yeah. So adversity, I agree, should be, should be welcomed yeah. to an extent. I, it, it, it seems like there's a limit to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely see the, the limiting. I, I think if like, uh, 
well, we've talked about this. Well, two things that when you were talking about uh, on that last point was just the idea of working out. It's like, it's like, it's good to have times of vigorous workout, but then also allowing your body to heal and to repair itself. So I think that's the same idea of, you know, in chaos, it's like everything's being torn apart, you know? And then you kind of need to bring some order back where you allow your muscles to repair and then they're stronger and then you need some more tension or chaos or adversity to then open those muscles back up. <laughs> Obviously, I don't know a lot about working out, but <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just pretend I do. <laughs> and then like it, but that constant over and, you know, healing and then tearing and healing and tearing, you know, brings uh, strength and resilience in your body. You know, I think there's that same part with us is like, you know, people who are in extreme circumstances, kind of like your Victor um, Frankel, you know, it's like, or it's just nonstop seemingly, you know, adversity and horror, you know, but even within that, you can, you, as you, if you read that man search for meaning, you even see a little bit of respite, even though we would not think of it as respite at all. <laughs> Cause it's still like, they're still in a horrible conditions, you know, mm-hmm. but it's like he even found, he even finds those moments in a concentration camp, you know, which is just phenomenal. But, but you can almost understand how someone coming out of that, like how can you come out of such extreme circumstances? I mean, even, I mean, you see this with PTSD and war, it's like you're under this pressure all the time for six months or however long your tour is or your career in the military. And then you're taken out of that situation. It's like, it takes a long time for people to heal and to sort of normalize being because of being under so much pressure all the time and, you know, normalize. That's even, that's a hard thing to understand too. <laughs> yeah. But to come, come back and realign mm-hmm. to a world that doesn't have that set of inputs, mm-hmm. <clears throat> dangers, hypervigilance. Yeah. I can even imagine just like and selling, like if, if we were to sell Medici or something like that, it's like, it'd be like shocking. Like, what do I do? Like, there's not, I mean, I think about that stuff all the time. Seven the, days entire, a week. the entire structure of your life would be removed. Yeah. Uh-huh. You'd be thrust into chaos. <laughs> you thrust into chaos. Exactly. <laughs> and that's not happening. So I just want to tell you yes, <laughs> but it would be like, I, I would just, there's so much of our family and, my days and Allison's days that are structured around our business that we've built and, and how we think about our staff our customers our balance sheets, P and L, you know, it's like all that stuff. It's like, it's like to, to step away from that would just be sort of a little bit disorienting <laughs> for a time, you know, totally. Mm-hmm. Well, so something else you talked about is pruning. Mm. What, what were you saying about that? Well, I don't know exactly uh, where I was going with that, but there's this, there's this idea of like, um, I, I see this in myself as like, whenever I'm going through a season of pruning, uh, there's a, always a resistance at the beginning. And then when I realize that, oh, okay, cool. Some things need to die off. You know, it's like, okay, that's good. Um, but in pruning, it's basically that there's a way that, that you've done things that was good for that season, but it's not good for the next season. Sort of like 
you know, if you're in kindergarten, you know, you're going to first grade or then second grade, it's like the things you did in kindergarten are not going to help you in second grade. So there's a certain amount of things that need to kind of like maturity that needs to happen in order to encounter, you know, um, uh, bigger obstacles and stuff. <laughs> He's just so excited today. He's riled up. Uh-huh. It seems like that's part of the process of receiving new information. Mm-hmm. The, the process of experiencing discomfort, because as, as I said, it, it can be painful, mm-hmm. but it can also, well, it, it realigns your perceptions of things, which means that some of the ways that you used to see things have to go. Mm-hmm. They have to be pruned. Yeah. As you said, you know, as you grow up, it's very obvious that the, the way that you behave in elementary school is going to be real bad for your reputation <laughs> in, in middle school. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> Or even like as a child to growing into adulthood too, is like you, there's a certain amount of responsibility that you have to start taking on as you get older. Because once you become an adult, it's like you, you, you have to be able to take on those responsibilities of, which is hilarious because we've almost made it a meme, you know, adulting. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, no, that this is life. Like this is like, this is, this is what you should be. Hmm this is stages of life that are actually natural and that have been existing for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. <clears throat> right. But we've turned it into a meme of, <laughs> it's like, we want to stay children. We want to be Peter Pan for mm-hmm. all of our lives and not, but I think that there's a lot of things that we, you know, and how we view family, how we view children, how we feel, you know, into the future. I don't know if we talked about this in the podcast, but that is something that, helps you to see the future is by having kids because you start to think generationally and not just, yeah. And not just situational and here and now and as you start to project into the future. Um, and I think it, I mean, I, I think you can do it without kids. I think kids is a natural way that we have done it over the millennia, you know? Um, yeah, you have to think or, or, encourages you Mm -hmm. to think past your lifetime. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I don't, I don't, I don't think I wouldn't say that we, especially in the United States right now, we don't really have that perspective. It's like, it's like, it's all about here and now, you know, whether, you know, like we're printing, uh, probably can print another six trillion dollars. You know, it's like, it's like we're, we're making a check there. Our, our kids are going to have to pay for, you know, it's interesting. If we've, if we've memified adulthood and stigmatized it as something undesirable Mm -hmm. and we want to somehow remain sort of children, well, children are fixated on the here and now, Mm -hmm. you know, children can't think, you know, five minutes into the future. (laughs) Totally. Um, iPad time now. Yeah. I'm dying. Right. (laughs) So it makes sense that as a culture, we wouldn't be thinking past our lifetimes all that often if we are sort of collectively in a childish mindset mm-hmm. or, or failing to answer the call of adulthood, mm-hmm. failing to answer the call of responsibility. <clears throat> 
I see that in the student debt forgiveness issue. Hmm. You know, people want this done. And there's sort of two ways that you can look at that, maybe. One being, well, the institutions are corrupt. The, the educational institutions are corrupt. They're ripping us off. They are <clears throat> convincing children at 18 to go into a debt that they can't conceptualize mm-hmm. um, in order to get degrees that are going to be worthless. You know, so there's been a wrong that's been done. Mm-hmm. So we ought to fix that. You know, we ought to forgive all of that debt. That seems, yeah, that makes sense. But also, what does it mean to forgive the debt? I mean, that's, a, that's kind of a tricky word because mm-hmm. you can forgive sins, but you can't forgive debt. The, the debt doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. It must be paid. You know, so who's going to pay that? The institutions? You know, the colleges, they're just going to say, oh, we, we don't, you know, need the money or whatever. <laughs> we'll give it back. I mean, I suppose the colleges already have it. So, so the other way to see it is <clears throat> we, we're going to, as a community, pay that. And part of paying that is going to mean increasing taxes or, or uh, increasing the deficit, going into further debt as a country. Now, who, who does that affect? Mm-hmm. That affects our children and our children's children in the country that they grow into. And I think it's interesting that I don't hear all that many people talk about this issue from the stance of, yeah, that was shitty. We're just going to have to, each of us who took out all that money, we're just going to have to, you know, wince and bear it and pay it off and stop agreeing to pay it, you know, for our children. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, tell the institutions we're not doing it anymore. Yeah. But we're going to have to pay it. It's like taking the responsibility of that on ourselves rather than saying, you know, I was, I was complicit in something which seems corrupt. I would like that to be solved for me hmm. by the government or the community at large, however you conceptualize that larger structure. Wow. That was, uh, that's a lot there. Yeah. So that let me let me kind of like reiterate what you said and just kind of tell me if I got this got this right. Um, so basically, let's just say our generation went to school and went into debt, and for jobs that will never really be worth the investment of sixty thousand dollars, just for an arbitrary number, you know, that you get a job that's right. fifty thousand dollars, you know. Well, you'll be paying on that for the next 10 years. It's like, you know, was that really a good investment in our time and money? Well, we were told that's what we need to do. And that's what we had to do. And I don't even know that we were told. It just became implicit in the, con- the concept of what it means to grow up. Mm-hmm. Just like high school. You know, you're going to go to school. Yeah. And after high school, you're going to go to college. And after college, you're going to get married and you're going to have kids. It was a, and it was a, a pathway that I think serviced um, the United States yeah. pretty well for maybe a 50-year period. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, even before that, it was it was sort of like the narrative was is like you're going to well, probably different for men and women. Like uh, just generally speaking, 
the narrative for men were get a good job so you can take care of a family, you know, and women were to, you know, basically as you come of age just to find a, a, a man to have kids with, you know, mm-hmm. like that was sort of like uh, a simple narrative. And then if you go even further back, it's like, you know, there's a certain amount of like protection and togetherness that you have as far as like, you know, women having kids and men being protectors and, you know, providers, um, and, uh, you know, and then forming groups of people that will protect from other groups of people, (laughs) you know, it's like, so we've kind of like, but as our societies have kind of grown and, and, uh, we're no longer concerned about protection as much, you know, especially in the United States, like we don't think about, um, being, uh, being killed, you know, as far as, you know, we have all, we have four walls and a lock on the door, you know? So there's a certain amount of protection from animals and (laughs) things that want to kill us, you know? (laughs) Uh, but then we also have, uh, laws and law enforcement and all these things that kind of these different levels of protection. And so we don't, we're not as aware of that, that necessity. So like, what do we do with ourselves? You know, it's like, I think there's that part of, it actually gives us the ability to focus on, um, another set of problems, you know, it's like, uh, well, how do we make this world a better, a better place? That might be one or make more money or, um, uh, or hard to like the, um, the one that's most elusive is to be happy. You know, it's like, what does it mean to be happy? Hmm. And you know, well, a career makes you happy. Money makes you happy. Being married makes you happy. Having kids makes you happy. And, and we kind of get to kind of move out of our base needs and into some other more philosophical or metaphysical (laughs) needs as far as like what those things mean and what they provide, you know? Mm. So, um, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> we were talking about college. No, I thought about college. That's right. I, that's the thing. I knew I, there was something. I got too far away from the actual, I was, I was going way too far back. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, but there is this idea of like, we have like our world is so much more complicated now in that we need more education to engage with. Like if you want to be an engineer, it's not as simple as it was years ago where you could just kind of like, Oh, I don't know. That's that. Oh, great. That's what's wild. It's like Nicholas Tlaib kind of gets into this in the black swan book. Yeah. About engineering. Well, yeah, just the idea of like, you know, um, you know, if, if you were gonna go solve something, then you would just go and you just start testing things like, let's see if this works and you throw it out and it blows up, you know, like, okay, well that didn't work, you know? Um, but we do have this illusion now. It's like where you have to have, you have to understand all the mathematics and the theorems and all these things behind the actual product, you know, rather than experimenting with the product and then coming with, then, then find, then looking at the math, you know, it's like you're wanting, you're wanting the world to fit all the mathematics and you fit the world into those things rather than experimenting in the world and see if, and then, and then understand the mathematics behind it, you know? 
to sort of rationalism versus empiricism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Which I would say he he leans more towards the empiricism part, and that rationality sort of is is a uh, a helper towards mm-hmm. empiricism. So. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a really good conversation with Stephen Fry and Jordan Peterson where Stephen Fry lays mm-hmm. out the difference between rationality and empiricism uh, really well. The idea being that, oh, he tells a great story about, um, I can't remember the man's name now, the guy who essentially discovered that uh, less women and children died during childbirth if the people helping them washed their hands Hmm. because at that time there was a lot of mortality in childbirth and no one really knew why. And all of the doctors sort of said, you know, I guess he sort of accidentally discovered he'd kind of had these different groups and had them doing arbitrarily different things, just trying to figure out what might make a difference. And Mm -hmm. he had this one group wash their hands and way less people died. And they didn't understand why people were dying. They didn't have concepts of germs or um, bacteria. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess none of the other doctors believed him. Mm-hmm. And he ended up dying in a madhouse, this, this guy who discovered this, because everybody was like, that, that, that makes no sense. That, that isn't true. It can't be true. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but empirically, it was. Yeah. We just didn't have a, we didn't have a medical model for why. Mm-hmm. Couldn't say why that was working. Which is fascinating. It's kind of like almost like the Wuhan uh, virus. You know, it's like it just happened to break out in a city that there was a <laughs> that that there's a was it the um, stage four virology lab? Yeah, you know, it's like, but no, it couldn't have had that. I was like, well, let's not just write this off too soon here. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, <laughs> but people were being you know called you know crazy and uh, insane and stupid for even proposing that, you know, I think that, yeah, I mean, that was so, that was very politically motivated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like popular opinion and not, and not just kind of following the, um, the viability of a, of a hypothesis, you know, it's like, cause I mean, again, if like someone said like, Hey, if you wash your hands, fewer people will die. It's like, well, it sounds like witchcraft. Yeah. It sounds like witchcraft. Yeah. <laughs> but if you go and you watch and you, you know, it's like, hopefully today we would be like, okay, cool. Let's see that. Let's see if that works. You know, it's like, you know, these hundred people do that. These hundred people do this and we'll see what the results are. You know, it's, it's, but yeah, it's like, it's like modern day witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see that being applied to ivermectin. I don't know if, our listeners have heard much about this yet. It's mm. really interesting because ivermectin is apparently as effective at, at curing uh, or maybe preventing COVID-19 as the vaccines. And it's been around forever. It has a long proven safety record and it costs absolutely nothing. Mm. Um, you know, and people have done studies where they get, there's one study that, uh, that I saw where, a, a doctor or maybe like a um, somebody running a hospital asked the staff of like 1200 to voluntarily take a dose of ivermectin once a week for 10 weeks. And I think it's like 750 of the 1200 people did it and 450 didn't do it over that 10 weeks, zero people from the 750 group got COVID. 
something like 58% of the other group got COVID. So empirically, holy shit. Yeah. That's, you, you know, but then you have the media saying ivermectin is not the miracle drug that people think it is. Mm-hmm. And, and their, their evidence for that is there have been no randomized uh, controlled studies, which apparently isn't actually true, but it, there hasn't been the sort of, it's like studies that have been deemed good enough. Mm-hmm. But why isn't that study good enough? Mm-hmm. Or at least to start other studies that would, you know, oh, well, we have an instance here. Let's see if we can replicate this. You know, I think that's the whole thing with if it can be replicated, then there's something there. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's science. Right. <laughs> have you heard about the replication crisis? No, no, no. So apparently of all published scientific studies, only like like 80% of them can't be replicated. Oh, <laughs> Uh-huh. Which is pretty crazy. That is really crazy. Yeah, we tend to think of things like science and mm-hmm. studies and papers and peer review as this gold standard for knowing what's true. Mm-hmm. But there's all kinds of problems with that process. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely, I mean, it's, it's I mean, like, whether you want to talk about the, the culture of science or science itself, and, like, the culture of science has a lot of issues with, like, you know, in group, out groups, uh, you know, being included to, uh, uh, you know, popular, you know, popularity contest type stuff, you know, it's like, (laughs) it's, it's, yeah, that's, that's pretty wild though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's just hard. Like, I don't know what to, sometimes I get exhausted because I feel like I have to like, um, study almost everything. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, even like whenever you were talking about the epileptic, how you said ivermectin, ivermectin, you know, it's like, it's like, you sound crazy when you say that, you know, because it's so counter narrative. So counter narrative. Yeah. Right. And, and then you've, you've heard all the different things throughout, um, COVID as far as like things that might be helpful. And then everyone's like, you're crazy. You know, it's like, well, well tell me why. Like, yeah. Give me it was some... almost a sin to mention anything that might be helpful. Yeah. Other than the vaccines. Mm-hmm. Well, even then it wasn't until Trump was out of office that right. it became... that's true <laughs> because before it was like the popular know... culture was anti-vaccine uh-huh. and said they wouldn't take it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Mainstream media really pushed that, that mer- narrative, you know, uh-huh. it's like, uh, which is just, I, I, that's the thing. I just, I just don't, I don't get that. Yeah. How that works. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, I understand people's problem with Trump, but you know, I just feel like there was so many things with the, with COVID that just got so amplified that were just needlessly amplified mm-hmm. and not that it wasn't serious or dangerous and all, all the things, but, um, it does seem like we've, we've, there's a, there's a culture of fear that got sort of, uh, um, magnified by the way that we engaged it. Um, and also it's just the, I mean, you see that in the divisions that we have now between like specifically Republicans and Democrats, you know, and, 
what is true and hmm. who you can trust to give you information and stuff like that. Yeah, you hear the word misinformation everywhere all the time now, <clears throat> even on our social media apps. Which is very strange. <coughs> I mean, it's not. The, I don't think it's all that long ago where if somebody had would dis, have described something like when you're on Instagram, there's going to be fact check labels and misinformation warnings. Mm-hmm. That would have sounded like you were describing uh, China, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And, and that whole idea of China controlling the flow of information in their country has gone away. I don't hear people talk all that much about it anymore. Yeah. It used to just be known. It's like, if you're in China, you're getting the information that the government wants you to get. Yeah. And that's where, that we live in that now. Mm-hmm. It's wild. It is wild. Well, I think you and I, we, we, we kind of like look at a a lot of different resources and stuff like that. So it's like, there is information out there that if you're, if you want to look for it, um, that helps kind of frame, frame it in a little bit more broader perspective. Um, but it's hard to read through all this stuff. Well, it is. And I think, and then you're a conspiracy theorist or something. You have have to be incentivized to come to your own conclusions though, to do that. Mm -hmm. And, that can be really difficult mm-hmm. when everyone you know and trust is saying, you know, the institutional narrative is to be believed. Mm-hmm. And, and the consequence of not believing it is death. People are going to die. Maybe not you, but your grandma for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have, so apparently um, there's two doctors who are like very well credentialed um, to be making statements about uh, drug programs for Actually, one of them, I think, was responsible for writing the the initial protocols on for what doctors should do in response to COVID. Hmm. And he and another doctor... So go listen to, um, on Brett Weinstein's podcast, uh, he had an interview with this guy just yesterday. It's pretty astounding. And, and this, these two doctors both independently were asked to come testify to, to Congress about um, the evidence that they've gathered around the efficacy... <laughs> <laughs> you okay? The efficacy of, of ivermectin. And um, YouTube took the testimonies down. So it's like we have people testifying to Congress, and that's being censored by YouTube. We can't go watch it. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter whether or not ivermectin is good or should be used. If there's people testifying to Congress, we should be able to see that. Mm-hmm but it's being hidden from us under some idea of, well, we can't let information propagate that might have some negative effect. Mm-hmm. Dude, it's, it's really wild. Like I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's even hard for me to do this podcast right now because like, I know what you're saying, you know, but it sounds so conspiracy theorist. You know, and I think that's the hard thing is like, I think there's a lot of normal people out there that are just sort of like, something's just not right. I don't, I don't understand like why, why we're so divided, you know, it's like, why, why are these narratives out there? It's starting to get, I think, I think, I think people are going to have a hard time in the next few years as far as like trying to 
understand like, you know, we're looking to our leaders, you know, our government and, and I don't think government is necessarily our leaders. I think there's a lot of people that are outside of the government structure that are also our leaders, you know, but to help us to make sense of the world around us, you know, cause we can't all be experts in right. <laughs> everything, you know, right. but I think a lot of our leaders are letting us down in a lot of ways. And I mean, I think, uh, uh, some of it was kind of brilliant and some of it was just, you know, very harmful to our nation of what kind of what Trump did, you know, it's like, but at the same time, it wasn't just him. It was like, it was our mainstream media also. And it's, you know, it's like, there was this like whole just deceptive, like no one was really had a level head through all this hmm. and it just sort of escalates and escalates and it feels like Biden's just quietly <laughs> escalating it more, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he just happens to be on, on the side of more of the mainstream media's, you know. He's escalating in a way that the popular mainstream media supports. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, cause some of the things he said recently, you're just like, man, if that would have come out of Trump's mouth, <laughs> he would have been, you know, uh, exercised or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I've just gotten so tired of politics. I've, I've almost just gotten worn out. And I think that's, I think that's sad in one instance, you know, as far as I just don't want to deal with it anymore. What do you want to deal with? Oh, dude. <laughs> I want to think about consciousness again. <laughs> it's like, I want to, I want to think about how we perceive the world, like how we interact, like what, what's amazing about people? Why are we here? Um, you know, it's like we're animals yet. We're also more than animals. You know, we reason, we think, we engage, we uh, act relationally. Um, we hate, we love, we despise, you know, do we have control over these things? How much control do we have over these things? Mm -hmm. You know, I think those are the questions that I would love to get back to and, and not about like what color your skin is or your ethnicity or your religion. <clears throat> it's more of like, Oh, those are aspects of you. And how has that impacted your life? You know, it's like all the different aspects that can, whether it be social, political, you know, it's like, like, I just, I would love to get back more into learning from people rather than narratives that are more demeaning and negative and derogatory that are meant more to divide than they are to bring us together and to be curious about each other. You know, just because you're two white people doesn't mean they think the same, you know, or believe the same things or two black people or, you know, even two Christians or two Muslims or two, you know, it's like Jews. It's like, you know, you hear this from Shapiro and it's, you know, like there's Jews think differently, you know, it's like, you just can't, these broad categories we're trying to put people into are just too, too confining and just not true, you know, right? like those are aspects of people. So those are the questions I would love to be more engaged with rather than like it, cause it does, our government does concern me, you know, I don't know where we go from here. I just, I just see this this battle that's happening and what, what they think is important that I just don't, 
I don't really, I really don't follow. Yeah. It makes me think about the, the, the bubbles that we all live in. Mm-hmm. And it, it feels to me like a lot of us have two very discrete lives. One, which is comprised of social media and <clears throat> increasingly mainstream media as those two things are sort of merging mm-hmm. in intent and message and censorship too. Um, and then we have <clears throat> our real life, which consists of <clears throat> things that you can see and touch and smell and talk to and um, interact with. Mm-hmm. And the overlap is almost non-existent. Hmm. I mean, I feel like, you know, is there injustice in the world? Yes. Is there, are, are there terrible incidences of hatred, racism, bigotry? Mm-hmm. Yes. But those instances are getting picked up into that first world mm. and amplified as if that is characteristic of everything. Mm-hmm. And I think many of us are forgetting to look around in, in the real world mm-hmm. and say, I'm not seeing any of that here. Mm-hmm. So what's going on? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I'm, I'm not seeing it here. Like uh, Biden, I think he was, a, he went to Tulsa and was talking, gave a speech there. And he said that, white supremacy is the deadliest threat in America today. Not Al-Qaeda, not ISIS, white supremacy. And it, and people clapped. And I just thought, I don't think I've ever encountered a white supremacist in my life. Mm-hmm. Even if I just think about like the last 15 years I've been here in Austin, Never heard of a story about it. <clears throat> Never been talking to someone at a party or a bar or whatever. And I'm like, whoa, I think you might be a white supremacist. <laughs> uh, so it just doesn't match. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. it kind of goes back to this idea of empiricism versus rationalism. Hmm. You know, maybe you can make a rational case. He didn't. And I'm not sure how you would. Mm-hmm. But empirically, that's not the reality we live in. And mm-hmm. that's not to say that white supremacists don't exist and that they're not terrible mm-hmm. and that they shouldn't be condemned and dealt with swiftly. But it doesn't characterize our life. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the argument to that would be that, that you're a white male and of course you wouldn't see white supremacy, you know? Like that would that would be the argument. That would be so. White males can't see white supremacy because mm-hmm. you're complicit and embedded in the <laughs> viewpoint of a white a white man, and so like you're blind to your own right so, white supremacy. I mean, because so, the white supremacy would be applied to you also. You're getting way too good at this. I know the so the classic Kafka trap. Mm-hmm. You accuse me of something. If I agree, then I'm guilty, and if I disagree, then that's evidence of my guilt. Yeah. Um, but also like, sorry, look around the world. That's not how the world works. Mm -hmm. You can't make a rational or empirical case for that. 
Well, again, I think we're, that's where we're getting into the danger is the, is the Kafka trap esque type of, of thinking and reasoning is that because you fit a certain category, therefore you do not see and you are blind to, and you need to be educated in your own complicity to your white supremacy. And it's something that you have to come to terms with. And I'm going to help you come to terms with that because you can't see that because you are, um, so in, so in, <laughs> so embedded in the, I, th- the I, white think, I think that that way of thinking is sick. Mm-hmm. Like quite literally, I mean that quite literally. I think yeah. that, I think that it is a madness, a sickness mm-hmm. that you start seeing the world in a circular way mm-hmm. that protects you from seeing it any other way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to have anything to do with it. Like mm-hmm. I hear those arguments and I just kind of glaze over like, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to deal with that. I'm not yeah. going to engage that. And the thing is that it, there's a, there's a, there's an appeal to it mm-hmm. because <clears throat> You know, maybe it's because we are compelled by stories of guilt and redemption and um, justice. Mm-hmm. And it sort of has those elements. And it's hard to argue with if you don't see the, the logical circular, circular logic in it. Mm-hmm. It's hard to argue with. Yeah, And I would say... Probably like I, I can't effectively argue against it, even though I can see the circular logic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of people just sort of go along with it, but I know that it makes them. It, it, well, I just think that more and more people just need to say, no, not, I'm not agreeing with that. And I'm not going to have anything to do with that. And but I think that's hard for people to do that because it's like, being human and empathetic is like we can put our we can put ourselves in somebody else's shoes and so when you paint a picture so narrow we all know what it feels like to be discluded you know we all know what it feels like to be uh discriminated against in some form or fashion whether it be uh not being picked for a soccer team or being picked last or you know, uh, you're in a competition, you know, your, your French horn or whatever, you know, it's like, it's like, we all know what it feels like, you know, and that you see historically how, you know, different groups throughout history have faced different, you know, whether it be Jews, Czechs, Irish, Italians, African American. I mean, it's like every group has experienced and some, at some not too distant <laughs> past, you know, discrimination whether it be on religion skin color uh political orientation mm-hmm. you know it's like it's just so we, we identify with that so i think it's hard for people who are empathetic to not see that part and not that the that not that the circular kafka trap logic is is right but it's just more of like it's like we can all identify that those aspects in ourself. Mm. And so it's hard because what do you do with that? Even though it might not be true in the, in this specific 
uh, outcry of, you know, because you're a white male, you're complicit in white supremacy. You know, it's like, it's like, well, no bottom line. No, but I can understand how you got there. Hmm. And I can understand the hurt that some people have felt past present, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but also as someone who's studied history, I've seen that I've seen this something that has infected humankind over and over again. And I actually see this way of thinking about people and putting them in these broad categories as the exact same thing that you're wanting to change to say all people are this way. Like that's what happened to the Jews. That's what happened to black people. That's what happened to Czechs, to Russians. To, you know, it's like, it's like, it's, it's just, it's crazy. Like, like even like in Russia, you know, it's like if you were part of a social class, you were demonized and took to the gulags, mm-hmm. you know? it's it's like, so <clears throat> it's more of the, of that way of thinking. All I see is death and destruction because it has produced death and destruction from time immemorial, all the way back to Philistines and Canaanites and Jew, you know, back 4,000 years ago, you know, it's like demonizing the other and that all people are this, <clears throat> are this way. That language is dangerous language. Mm, yeah. And so I think that's why it's, it's, it's helpful and useful not to accept that language. All white people are white supremacists. All white males are this, or all black males are this, or all, you know, it's like, all, you know, Christians or Protestants or Catholics, you know, it's like that type of language is just, is not useful. Yeah. Well, I've been thinking about something we hit on a couple of episodes ago about that. Mm -hmm. The idea that anytime you, you encounter a characterization of a person or group or thing, a narrative, an idea, Mm -hmm. meaning a overly simplified version of it, It's, it's not that whatever it is that's being said to you is not a description of something. Mm-hmm. It's a tool being used to usher in or manipulate <clears throat> the ushering in of something that they want. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and there's, that should be a big, a big red flag, I think, because what is that? What is yeah. that thing that you want? You know, what does Biden gain by saying that white supremacy is the deadliest threat to America today? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not saying it because it's obvious. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe within the bubble of the narrative, it, it can be taken as obvious. Mm-hmm. But he's saying it for some political purpose. What is that? I don't, I don't know what that is, but to your point, anytime you, you hear that language of all, it's, it's, it's all this way. Mm-hmm. Or the biggest issue we're facing, it's like, well, how do you want to qualify that? You know, it's like, cancer's pretty bad. <laughs> you know, it's like, what, 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 what's, what's our, I kind of thought COVID was the deadliest threat to yeah, America COVID, today. That's over. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, it's, I mean, there's just, Oh yeah. I mean like, what is it? Um, Oh, the percentage. It's like one in six or something like that. Like as far as like, um, uh, shit, how's it go? I'm going to say this and I'm going to get it wrong. Maybe I'll correct it in the notes. Um, 
but like how many, how much death is, is comes from medical malpractice, you mm-hmm. know, not just like, it's like oh, one of the, it's one of the deadliest leading causes of death. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. It's like, we're such a sophisticated, you know, country mm-hmm. with the best, death, best <laughs> healthcare in the world. Uh, uh-huh. but I, I bet very people know that mm-hmm. like, wow. So you're talking, we can end a lot of death by just maybe being a little bit more, uh, careful <laughs> now, or maybe not over prescri- I mean, that's the other thing too, is like, like how much is our mental instability to over pres- pre- prescriptionizing? Mm-hmm. Cause we don't know what, if you're taking five different drugs right now, you do not know how those drugs interact with each right. other. Yeah. There aren't longitudinal studies on every combination of drug. Uh-uh. I mean, ADHD is like, what are we doing to our kids by, pers- I mean, again, there's always an instance for these things. So I, I want to be very careful in how I say these things, because there's always a time that these are very helpful and good. So with that caveat, <laughs> it's like, but, how much are we trying to make our kids fit the system and instead of instead of the system fitting our kids, you know, it's like, especially boys who are very energetic and, um, you know, are not as good at sitting, sitting in a, in a seat for eight hours a day, you know? Yeah. Um, but we kind of got off on the topic. Yeah. Um, okay. One thing I want, I want to go back something you said um oh yeah i mean that's a that's no that's not worth it that's okay. <laughs> i was gonna go back to like the thing that biden says about lawyers and accountants and oh, stuff and yeah. i was just like yeah. no, we, don't need to go there. we don't need to go there it's just <clears throat> well it's dumb how do we want to leave this one yeah we kind of are in a in more of a we were a little all over the place today yeah, we were and I feel like I hear my voice sounding doom and gloom. Or, or <laughs> doom is just gloomy. <laughs> it's funny when we do the podcast because we have these headphones on, you kind of listen to yourself talk in a way that you don't when you're having a conversation, which is, I think, positive to mm-hmm. podcast conversations. But um, yeah. I'm also aware of the way that I sound. Yeah, because you definitely sound differently out of your headphones mm-hmm. than you do out of your Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think, I think where I'd like to end it is like, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm excited about so many things and I don't want to, I don't want to pay attention to all this mm. BS. Yeah. And I think, I think it's a little bit, no, I don't know, naive's not the word, but stick my head in the sand, you know, mm. what is that? To just, just not pretend it doesn't exist, you know? Yeah. And to pursue the things like, like I want to do things. I want to like create companies that have an impact on the world around us, you know, and, and sustainable and do things that are, you know, not understood, but in the long run, long run can, will, will sort of work itself out, you know, like I want to invest in things that are, that are long term, that are somewhat crazy, in the short term. Hmm. I tried a, an, an exercise 
that I just thought would be good. I just sort of made it up. But I was like, I sat down and I, I wrote, what makes me feel sick? And I just tried to write down everything I could think of. Hmm. And then what makes me feel good? Mm-hmm. I tried to write down everything I could think of. And I don't remember everything that I put down, but I know that like social media and sort of hypervigilance to mainstream media and what it's telling us Mm -hmm. and that feeling of always having to look everything up and research everything. And Mm -hmm. and there's something about that I really love and I enjoy doing, but I think over the last year to make heads or tails of things, I've had to do so much of that. And those things would fall under the, what makes me sick category. Hmm. What makes me feel good. It's like sitting down and talking to my friends about the things that they're thinking about and the Mm. things that affect them and things that make them excited, the things that have hurt them, their relationships, how those are going. Um, Maybe if we all spent a little bit more time reflecting on what makes us feel good and what makes us feel sick and consciously spend more time in the category that makes us feel good. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe we can start transforming some narratives and transforming some bubbles, getting outside of them, take a break from some things, confront some different adversities, look for some ways to prune. Mm -hmm. That could be good for all of us. I like that. Kind of step away and get some perspective. Mm Mm-hmm. It's different for everyone. (laughs) Yeah. I like that. Cheers. To the shores. This was an interesting shores. It was. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, thank you, guys. All right. (laughs) See you next time. (laughs) See you.